Well, good morning. We are uh, been at Genesis for a while, and so today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 26. Uh, it's listening to those songs and singing, and I feel a little bit humbled in a sense of uh, talking about what we're talking about today, just God being who He is. I, this, la- this last Monday uh, was my dad's, would have been, well, five years ago, it was his birthday. He passed June uh, 3rd, so it's almost five years since he's been passed. And Monday had our time a little bit, just kind of thinking about him, processing a little bit. And uh, that night I um, went up to say goodnight, or actually check on my boys, what they were doing upstairs. And my son was sitting there, and um, I said, how you doing? He says, I'm, I'm fine. And I said, uh, what's... That doesn't sound, it's not like good, you know. Usually you say you're good if it's normal, and he says, I'm fine. And so I said, well, what's going on? And he, he I had made a video for my dad's uh, memorial service, and he got it out and had just watched it. And he was, he was buddies with my dad. And, uh, and we processed and talked and had reminisced a little bit. And I, from that, I kind of went through pictures. I put some pictures of him on Facebook, kind of reminiscing a little bit about him. And people commenting on him, saying, hey, he looks a lot like you, Mike, blah, 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 you look like him, one of the other things. And, you know, those are all, a lot of the good things about it. And my wife, we were driving yesterday home from the North Fork, and we got home, and she said, you know, we have two kid drivers now, and you need to be a good example, and you're just like your dad, you never put your seatbelt on. <laughs> And I said, I was like, yeah, that's, that is true. I, I did. But, you know, today we're getting into, uh, we've been going through Genesis, and, and Abraham uh, is, kind of comes to a close in chapter 25. He passes, uh, and then we're into 26, and it's kind of the only chapter in the Bible that's all about Isaac. It's the only chapter that's exclusively about Isaac. And so, Isaac, we're going to look at this here. And before we get to it, today's title is God is Present. And A.W. Tozer tells us how we ought to think about God, that God is all-present, that he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere. And this is what he says, and if you want to follow along, I think I have it, we'll have it on the screen. A.W. Tozer says, we should never think of God as being spatially near or remote, for he is not here or there, but carries here and there in his heart. Space is not infinite, as some have thought. Only God is infinite, and in his infinitude, he swallows up all space. Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? He fills heaven and earth as the ocean fills the bucket that is submerged in it. And as the ocean surrounds the bucket, so does God, the universe he fills. The heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. God is not contained he contains. In Tozer's explanation of, of this, we find it in a couple different passages in the Old Testament. One, Jeremiah 23, where it says, I, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I could not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? declares the Lord. David talks about this over in Psalms, Psalms 139, a popular passage in verse 7. He says, where shall I go from my, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And you think about this, and David here, he's basically, he's talking about, he's everywhere. He's, pre- he's not just here or there, he's everywhere. He contains, he's as, as A.W. Tozer says, you know, he fills the heavens and the earth as the ocean fills a bucket that's submerged in it. So he's spatially, he's <laughs> everywhere. But not just is he spatially concern, everywhere, he's, he's personally. He's present with us. Psalm 16, David talks a little bit about this. In verse 11, he says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so he's present every, at every place and thinks and protects and blesses, blesses us. And so you think about this and you think about David, and we look at today's passage, there's a couple different things in this passage where he comes alongside, comes alongside Isaac and and he, God's trying to make Isaac understand that he's constantly there. Because Isaac, in this passage, in the life of Isaac, he's learning that God is all-present. And so if you turn with me to Genesis, chapter 26, verse 1, we see, we find God is going to promise that he's going to continually be there to Isaac. And in verse 1, he says, Now there was a famine in the land, Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Gear to Ambimelech, king of the Philistines. And so you look at this passage, there's a famine in the land. And so it says Isaac is here. And Isaac, you know, a common thing that happened in those particular areas is famines happened a lot. You know, there wouldn't be rain for a little while, and all of a sudden uh, they would, people would kind of take off and try to find out where they could find some water. And so there was oftentimes they were on the move. And Isaac was no exception to this. He was on the move. He's trying to figure out what to do. And just like his father, when the famine was in the land, he encountered King Abimelech. And there's no indication as to whether these are the same kings. Um, we're, not possibly, we're not totally sure of that. But at the same time, there's a famine. And so he's trying to figure out what to do. And so he's on the move. And then we look at verse 2 here. And it says, And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offsprings as the stars of heaven and will give to your offsprings all these lands." And in your offsprings, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so you see it here in this passage that, that he's promising and he's talking to, to, Abraham, to Isaac about what to do. And so Isaac kind of has two things here, two things he's up against. One is there's a famine. God comes to him, say, I'll bless you. But he says, hey. I want you to stay here where there's a famine. I don't want you to go to Egypt where, you're, you know, where you can get water. I want you to stay here, take up root here. This is what I want you to do. But he also tells him, if you look at verse 5, and I don't know if we have verse 5 up there, but he says there's five mys. He says, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, 
my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so God's telling Isaac, be like your dad who kept these things, that, that, that followed me and obeyed me. And so he decides to stay. And so you think this would be enough for Isaac, and Isaac has God appeared to him. I don't know, has God ever appeared to you and started talking to you? But he appears to him, he talks to him, he tells him to stay, and so Isaac decides, you know what, even though there's a famine here, even though this is happening here, I'm going to settle down here. And so and he says, and God tells him, I'm going to be with you. And then Isaac, verse 6. So it says, Isaac settled in Gerir. And then verse 7 says, when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest these men of this place should kill me because Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> kind of like his dad. His dad did it twice. We only know of him doing it once. But you would think, he says, I'm going to be with you. His wife is attractive. The men are attractive. We see they're envying him a little bit. And so he says, hey, say you're my sister, because I don't want to get in any trouble here. But how soon he forgets. Didn't God just say? What did he say? I will be with you. But he steps up and says he's struggling here. And he, he's like, uh, he kind of forgot. And so he cowers a little bit. He's uh, fearful. And so he takes the matter into his own hands and decides, you know what, hey, this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Tell them this. And why is it so often when God kind of does something cool in our lives that we struggle, like, right afterwards? You think, you go throughout the Bible, you see David. David was told that he was going to be king after, and he kind of set him up, and it was just, what, a couple chapters later, you have David and Bathsheba. It's like, what happened? Did you not? But how many can relate to this, that good things happen in your life and God does something really big and it's like the next day you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And I could see David, and we see Isaac in this passage probably doing something very much similar. And so and you look at the text in verse 8, he says, when he had been there a long time, I remember the king of the Philistines looked out a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. And so Abimelech, being probably a wise man, looks out and it's like, huh, what is that? That's not his sister. They look a little too close. Maybe they're, I don't know, hugging. Who knows what they're doing? But it, it looks more to the eye than what he said it was. And so verse 9 says, So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. And so often, here Abimelech is, he's not a, he's, he's not a, a God follower in this that we know of. He's some guy that's just there, and, there, and Isaac says, God tells him he's going to be with him, and all of a sudden Isaac stumbles. And a lot of times when we stumble, what happens is the people around us are watching. And when you see this, he, he, Abimelech's kind of calling him out. And there's all kinds of passages that help us and try to get our attention. There's one in the New Testament, Romans 2.24, says, it says, uh, for it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. 
and you think about Isaac, here he is, he's one of God's people, and yet he's being deceptive. If you go over uh, to verse uh, First Timothy, chapter 6, it says, Let all who are under a yoke of bondservant regard their own master as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. And then Romans 14, 7, real quick, says, says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. And so you think about this for a second, and you think about living life for God. And here he is, God saying, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to be with you. He kind of stumbles. From the Genesis text, we don't see a whole lot of God getting real upset at Isaac. He doesn't say a whole lot. But I can tell you from our own perspectives, for us as Christian people that are walking in this, we, we are saved by grace. But at the same time, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And in this particular, Abimelech's going, what are you doing to us? In verse 11, he comes and he says, So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife surely will be put to death. And so you see, you know, as we live life, it's desperately important that you know or remember that we, we need to trust God. Because so often, as we live this thing out, we kind of get blinded. And this idea that God is present, the guy, this idea that God is with you at all times, that he's spatially with you, that he's personally with you. And so you see, here he is, and then you, you start to find conflict. He tells him that you need to stay away. And in this next chapter, Isaac kind of seems to start getting it right. In verse 12, he says, And so Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. And he had possessions of, possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled the earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are mightier than we. And so there's a famine in the land. There's not a lot of water, but somehow Isaac keeps finding water. And so he, he, no one else is having this, he, no one else is being, uh, having, well, or, or having success during this time. And Isaac somehow is having success. And so... And Bimbalek comes to him and he says, you know what? You need to get out of here. <laughs> You're making me look bad. You're making us look bad. Uh, the people are envying you. There's going to be trouble for you. You need to go. And so he, he gets up and verse 17 says, So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which in the Philistines had stopped after death, uh, the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names the father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well, a spring of water, and verse 20 says, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called them the name, the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called it, uh, he called it Sitna. And so here he is, he continues he continues along. He says, you know, you need to leave. He goes to another place. He goes to the next place. He digs a well. More water comes. And God's continuing to bless him, and the people continually see this. You know, in verse, uh, in Isaac, as he goes along, but the thing of it is, I don't know about you, 
A lot of times when you're following God, and even though you're being blessed, and even though you, you know, maybe you feel like God's presence is with you, what do you, what's Isaac going through? He's continually going through conflict with, with people. You know, reading it in a story form here, and looking at it in the scriptures, it's like, oh, wow, how cool that is. Has anybody had conflict with people? I mean, first he comes to him and he says, hey, you need to get your people and your wealth and your stuff. You need to go. Get out of here. So he's fine. he doesn't fight with them. He goes. He goes to the next place. He digs a well, one that his father had originally dug a long time ago. He finds water. Then the, 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 the herdsmen come and say, no, that's our water. This is our valley. This is our place. Hey, foreigner, get out of here. And so he's like, all right. He goes to the next place. In the midst of following God and when it gets hard sometimes, ever get depressed a little bit? Ever get a little bit down, even though God's blessing you? Even though you know you're doing the right thing in the moment, you know you're doing what God's asking you to do. At the same time, you find it difficult because people are coming against you. People are telling you you're wrong. People are telling you you're not right. And sometimes in your head, you get a little confused. And this really doesn't read into the story too much because I don't see what Isaac's thinking, but I know in the midst of life, that becomes difficult when conflict comes along. When conflict arises. And so Isaac, though, we see in the, from the text, he continue, follow, continually follows him and continually does what he's asked to do by God. And then in verse 23, it says that Isaac went to Beersheba. Basically, if you remember, that's where his father did, spent a lot of years of his life. And then in verse 24, it says, And the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offsprings for my servants Abraham's sake. And so you see, he says now, what does he say to him before? He says, I will be with you. What does he say now? I am. He says, I am with you. With, and so he believed, we see here, with all of his heart. And he, what he says in verse 25 is that he did is he built an altar. It says, so he built an altar there and he called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. And so there's this, this once again, this idea that God's coming to him. And he says, you know, I, I, I am with you. I'm going to be with you. Continue on. And then in verse 26, really the pinnacle of the passage, he says, he says, when Abimelech went to him from Greer with that guy's name, his advisor and Philco, the commander of his army, Isaac said to him, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? In verse 28, he says, They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So he said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. You know, Abimelech comes to him at this place, and Isaac, like, I just keep moving for me. Please leave me alone. I did, I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've left your place. I went to the valley. You people keep kicking me out, and now you're coming to me again. What? And Isaac says, what do you want? And Abimelech says to him, it's clear. It's plain, I can plainly see that God is with you. And you think about that as we, we live this thing out, this Christianity thing. That it's that idea that you go through the hard times. 
You see Isaac going through the heart. It's a famine, and God says, stay here. And it doesn't make any logical sense to him to stay in Gerar because there's no water, but he does, and God blesses him. And he continually does what God asks him to do. And at some point, the guy that really, the people that keep pushing and pushing and pushing realizes, like, we probably shouldn't push this guy anymore because it's plain to see that God is with him. And I don't know about you, but this is how this Christianity thing plays out most of, well, all of the time. It doesn't always seem easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it doesn't seem God is close. You're going through things in life and you're like, where are you? But you get this little thing in a Bible that come along and says, I, it's, if it's not obvious to you, it's obvious to all of us that God's with you, that he is in the midst of you, that he's taking care of you, and God's present. And you look at this passage, you look at it, he says, he's early on in the passage, he says, I will, you know, kind of talks about the future, I will be with you. And then he says, in the passage, I am with you. And then it's plain to see that God has been with him. God's presence is there. And, you know, and I think if you could think about this for a minute in life where you've lived this thing out through hard times where people have come along and said, you know, I don't know, but I could see it in you. There's been times where people have come along and said, you know, you're not living this thing out right. You're not doing it right. I could, what are you doing? But there's also times where people come alongside and go, you know, I can see it. Keep going. It's, I know it's rough. I know it's tough. I remember I was in a, this is just a, a glimpse of it. I was in a plane coming back from, from going from Japan uh, to, to, where were we going? To Thailand. Somewhere. We were going somewhere. And there was a lot of turbulence. We were on a mission. A lot of turbulence. And the plane had dropped a ton. And I was with a friend from college. We were on a, we were on a mission trip over there. And um, this lady, this stewardess, had just came back to work after being off about six months because of some bad turbulence that she had had on a flight and just didn't want to do it anymore. And so we hit this next one. And... and these guys next to us were talking about their time in Thailand. I guess they went over there for fun. They were telling stories that we really didn't care to hear um, about where they were. And then one of the guys looks at us and he says, because he knew we were what we were there for, and he says, that almost makes me want to accept Jesus after we dropped and dropped. <laughs> and one of the stewardess came over to us and says, what are you guys... What are you guys, what are you, who are you guys? We're on a, we were on a mission trip. She's like, yeah, I could tell. Just by our demeanor <laughs> and thinking about death. But you know what I think in life is you sit here and you think about your life. And you think about the times when you've gone through a lot of hard times and you've had those people come along and say, you know, I could see it. And that's the thing that Isaac got to experience. He got to experience Ambimelech, a guy that wanted the people that kept coming after him, the guy that he was afraid of came after him. He said, you know, I can see God is plainly with you. You know, then that's verse 32 that says, that same day Isaac's servants came and said to him, we have found water. We called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. You know, this thing that we're looking at, this idea that God is spatial, Spatially present, that there's no place that he's not, that he is everywhere, that he actually personally cares for you. 
You know, and I, I, as this comes out of my mouth and as I process this, this week, thinking about God is always right next to you. That he knows exactly what you're thinking. That he knows what's going on in your life personally. And I think sometimes we, we kind of forget that. And, and perspective-wise, we kind of push it away. We like to compartmentalize guy to this room on a Sunday morning as opposed to him being with you when you get in your car or when you drive away or when you go to the restaurant or wherever you go after this. And then he's with us throughout the week and wherever we're at. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do you believe? Do you believe that he will be with you? Do you believe that he'll be with you when you're, whatever you're facing this week? Do you believe that he'll be with you whatever you're facing this month or whatever you're facing this year? Do you believe that God is with you spatially, personally, right now in your hurts and in your adversities? Do you believe that he's there? Because a lot of times what we like to do is we like to put our problems and our hurts and our stuff over here. We keep God over here and when we get better, we come back to him. We'll figure it out and we'll let you know, God, how it went, as opposed to letting him be right in the midst of everything that you're going through, in the midst of everything that's going on. Because when, when you separate him out, he can't really be with you. He can't really guide. He can't really direct if you don't allow him in. And so he knows. And so one way that you help yourself in this is that you talk to him. It's like you're talking and calling your best friend and saying, or whoever that person you like to talk to, is like, God, I, I'm struggling. This is what I'm going through right now. I, 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 this, and, and being real and laying out for him. He does respond some way or another. Another way is to open his, his word and to read it. Because a lot of times when you're praying, he's going to direct you to exactly what you need to hear in the moment. Another thing that you could do in all this, in the midst of this, is find somebody, a friend, could be a spouse, whoever it is, and talk. Say, this is what's going on. And when you find a brother or a sister that knows Christ and knows they're going to direct you and guide you in the right way. You know, God is present. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He, he wants to be involved with your life. He wants to be intimately involved with you. Not just a one day a week thing. So don't isolate yourself. Let him in. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Isaac and his life that we get to look into it a little bit and to see that you wanted to be involved with him. And as we read your word, we know from the Old to the New Testament that, that you were going to bless, be a blessing through Abraham, that you might be known because of Abraham. And eventually, because of your son, but be through, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, and now today through us, that you want to be known, that you want the world to know through us. So Father, I pray that we would comprehend this, that we wouldn't push it out of our minds, that we would, that we would understand that you are everywhere. And not just that you are everywhere, and you, but that you want to know us personally. You want to be involved with our life. That you want to walk with us. And you want to be a part. And when we do that, it's amazing how much you stand out and how much you're seen. And so, Father, I ask that you would be with us each as we, as we go from here, that you would uh, allow us to see you clearly. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to